8.20, coming up on 8.20 here in just a couple of seconds. Uh, John Torrey filling in for John Moore on a Monday morning. And, uh, you know, I've been fascinated throughout my time. And, you know, and long before I was mayor, which was eight, starting eight years ago, almost nine, uh, I was a political activist and helped advise uh, other politicians and saw a lot of research over time that talked about the reluctance. Uh, it talked first and foremost about the huge importance, even 25 years ago, that people placed on the environment and fixing the environment. And it was before climate change became as much of a focus as it is. But people were generally concerned about water pollution and uh, about one of the things we did at the city that I was very proud of uh, under my administration was to allocate the money to speed up um, the treatment of wastewater so that you would not have the incidents uh, happening uh, where you have these big storms and then the sewage gets mixed in with the uh, stormwater runoff and it goes into the lake and that's why the beaches get closed and that project is well advanced it's a huge multi multi hundreds of millions of dollar project and I'm proud we accelerated it so that it could be done uh, faster but uh, when it came down to other things including cutting down on waste uh, you know meaning the things we throw in the garbage as it were even for recycling uh, it, it was something where it was very difficult to get people to translate their concern for the environment into changes they would make uh, in their own lives and so this would start with saying do you care about the environment 85% yes well will you maybe drive your car a bit less well no I can't really do that oh, okay well will you uh, change uh, some of the you know insist on changes with regard to how you package things or even not use, you know, plastic bags and use cloth bags. Well, no, I don't think so. I don't want to do that. And, you know, you'd go through a whole series of measures. And this has caused governments to, in some respects, put forced, uh, you know, objectives or targets or regulations on things to make them happen because we simply have to make them happen. And, you know, Robert Turner and I were talking off air about uh, the notion of single-use plastic reduction not being a climate change issue. It, it is and it isn't. I mean, it's a waste stream issue, but the less waste we're taking off to landfill or anywhere, that is actually a climate change issue because, of course, transportation is the number two uh, cause of um, uh, greenhouse gas emissions and so on after uh, buildings that emit a lot of greenhouse gas emissions or, or cause them because of the uh, inefficient uh, use of energy. So uh, the retail business has been asked by Ottawa, the supermarket business in particular, to reduce the use of single-use uh, plastics. And they're concerned about that, both from the standpoint, I think, of practicality but also cost. Uh, Michael Zabane is the Vice President of Sustainability at the Retail Council of Canada, and he joins us now to discuss this. Good morning, sir. Thanks a lot, John, for having me today. So let's start with, um, is this an instance, one of many, where the government will say, we're going to tell you how to do things as opposed to simply setting a target and saying, look, we want you to reduce the use of single-use plastics by pick a number, 20%, 50%, any number you want, or they're going to try and sort of micromanage how you do these things and tell you how to do it, or is it really just concerns you have on other fronts? So, so it's a combination of things, John. So first and foremost, the Retail Council of Canada and its grocery members, alongside with the federal government, we're totally committed to achieving zero plastic waste. We've been supportive of the federal government's intent to reduce plastic waste, whether that's the single-use plastic ban that comes into effect later this year, or working towards incorporating more recycling content in packaging. We know that plastic waste is a big problem, and grocers are working both independently and collaboratively with the government and other stakeholders through the Canada Plastics Pact to drive more sustainable packaging. But in this particular instance, John, uh, with the Pollution Prevention Plan notice that was issued by the federal government uh, earlier this month, it's a consultation that targets exclusively grocers to reduce plastic waste. And we find that as an impractical measure because 
retailers generally lack direct control of global supply chains. Retailers are only intermediaries in the global supply chain. And what we have direct control of, John, is private labels. But beyond that, by targeting only grocers, we're missing the plot a bit, as the large majority of the market, in particular consumer goods companies, are not covered. All right. So I, I get that. And I do sort of agree a lot of the stuff you're selling on the shelves are stuff that's uh, given to you, sold to you by suppliers, and you're selling it to the public. But what about the things beyond uh, the, um, uh, what did you call them a moment ago, the, the, the plain label, um, I've just forgotten the name. The private the label. Private label brands. What about um, things you package up? So prepared food, uh, for example, that's packaged in the store. What about when you kind of wrap up fruit uh, or vegetables in a package? Uh, you do have control over that, and I assume that you've, you're looking or you will, would look, you meaning the supermarket chains in this case that are uh, yeah. members of uh, Retail Council, at ways in which they could reduce that or eliminate that sort of thing? Yeah, so that's an interesting uh, point. So you've touched on two key things, food service and uh, the sale of produce. And and these measures uh, do touch on uh, both of those. So we're deeply concerned that some of the proposed measures like the sale of produce in in bulk, uh, so they want to shift from packaging to bulk, and then shift potentially to reuse systems for food service, uh, we believe that could bring significant challenges such as increased cost to consumers and potentially negative environmental impacts. Um, and sorry to interrupt, and, but by yeah, reuse, do you actually have the concept there that's the same as for, you know, beer bottles or other things where you actually take things back? So these plastic containers that people use increasingly for take, I'll call it takeout uh, prepared food would, would be returned uh, for, for some sort of deposit. Is that what you're talking about that could cause a hassle? That could pretty much not only cause a hassle, but it would involve consumers returning reusable packaging to depots and then transported to centers to be washed and refilled. Uh, we believe that these systems have yet to be adequately scaled, both in Canada and internationally. They haven't been proven um, as, as viable, both environmentally, because you're looking also at the energy consumption that's involved, the water consumption that's involved in dishwashing, but also the cost impact could be substantial, John. I mean, there was a study that was released by McKinsey earlier this year on reuse systems for food service in Belgium that concluded that reusable packaging would double uh, if they go ahead with a reuse system for food service uh, and, and increase greenhouse gas emissions by more than 150% because now you're using more materials, you're using more transport, and, and you're, you're using a lot more energy to dishwash. Uh, one of the panelists we had on our roundtable earlier on said that one of the reasons he gave the example of, I think, razors or razor blades and said they were in quite elaborate packaging as an anti-theft measure. Uh, and in recognizing nothing is free uh, is, are there better ways so that you can cut down? Because I, I, I notice myself sometimes with consumer products, and I realize you were saying earlier on correctly that this is upstream. It's not in the grocery store. You don't package up razors. But uh, is it possible that those are some of the areas where there's some low-hanging fruit where you can just say to people, because you do have the leverage, you are their customers and say, look, we're just not going to accept this elaborate packaging, which I said in most cases is marketing. It's not about theft. It's not about anything except marketing um, that you would actually use that leverage to say to people that's not on anymore. Yeah, I think I think that's a tough one because because we're dealing with global supply chains. A lot of these products are produced in the United States and Europe where the head offices are. Uh, Canada is a relatively small market. I think you kind of need to look at things as, as a global market. How do we collaborate with, with other nations to put in the same policy measures in place and really influence these 
these uh, large consumer goods companies, but to do it independently as 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 retailers, Canadian-based retailers, that's a really tough thing to do, John. I am, really of course, very sympathetic to what you say about the supply chain and so on, but uh, I, you know, note with interest, and I'm always surprised at the fact that somehow to serve the Canadian market, which is not inconsequential, we're now a population of 40 million, they managed to put the French on, which they're required to do in Canada, which they aren't required to do in the U.S., so they somehow managed to do that, and uh, one might argue I guess if you had smaller packaging, there'd be less room for the two languages. But having said that, you know, sometimes maybe I think we're too polite about this stuff and we need to take a leadership position in saying, well, we, we made you put the French on because we have two official languages. We're also going to say we're just not going to put up with as much of that plastic that is, you know, marketing related or all the rest of the packaging, cardboard and plastic that uh, sometimes you just wonder. You've got like a, it's like one of those hearing aid batteries that comes in something the size of a, of a, of a you know, of a, of a, of a newspaper. Look, John, the, the, the French language on the labels is a great point. But when you're dealing with a completely different package and you're asking, um, you know, an international supplier to change that for you, you know, they're changing their uh, production lines. They're designing new packaging uh, just for the Canadian market. That's going to add substantial cost. Yep, and that's something I guess uh, you and the members of the Retail Council are very sensitive to, the supermarket members, given all the attention that is being paid, and quite rightly so, to the cost of uh, groceries and putting food on the table. So uh, you'll carry on with your advocacy work uh, to the government and hope that they do things with practicality and cost in mind, and maybe people can put pressure on some of the products they buy that they think are excessively packaged, because if they think so, they're probably right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, um, you know, we continue to work with uh, the federal government and other stakeholders. But, you know, all we want is to see that, you know, the right investment research and innovation is there so that we develop scalable solutions that are environmentally and economically viable as we work towards a sustainable circular economy. Michael Zabane, Vice President of the Retail Council of Canada, thanks very much for your time. Thanks a lot, John, for having me.